The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Hey everybody, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, Great to have you with us today. We are in week three today of this uh, series that we've been in now uh, called Summer Reading. Raise your hand if you've begun or have started or read any of the books from this uh, summer reading series. Anybody? Okay, there's a few. There you go. The rest of you, you suck. No, I'm just teasing. Um, Come on now. Remember, remember, leaders are what? Readers. Leaders are readers. And so uh, we encourage you to read. They're all great books. Uh, But today's book, the the book that I'm highlighting today, uh, is a book called Unstoppable uh, by Christine Kane. Christine is a great uh, teacher and author, uh, and she leads one of the largest nonprofit organizations uh, in the world dedicated toward rescuing the victims of human trafficking, A21. And uh, so if you're interested in anything about that, make sure you uh, check her out, check her ministry. Out. But the tagline for the book is uh, running the race that you were born to win. Uh, you know, the Bible is, is full, full of imagery and language uh, comparing our Christian life. You know, this life that we live of following Jesus, at, comparing it to uh, a race or athletics, um, running a race. And in fact, the opening story and illustration and in, in Unstoppable, in this book, Christine talks about uh, her love of the Olympics. Uh, by the way, are you excited that the Olympics start uh, next week? USA! U- okay, come on. Aren't you excited? Man, what are y'all? Y'all are like dead this morning. Come on now. This is the, this is the big service here today. So... Uh, uh, but anyway, but she, she uses her, talks about her love of running and, and specifically the women's uh, 4 by 100 relay over the last uh, four Olympic Games. I'm excited about the Olympic Games. I can't wait. Um, but let me ask you a question. Before we dig into uh, the passage of Scripture I want us to look into today, uh, as far as sports go, would you agree that in most sports, mo- most athletics, where you look... Where you point your eye is very, very important. Would you agree with that? I mean, if, if you're involved in, I mean, how many of you remember or have heard the phrase, you know, depending on the sport or athletic event that you were involved with, keep your eye on the what? Keep your eye on the ball, right? We've all heard that. Keep your eye on the ball. Raise your hand if you like to golf. We got any golfers here today? Okay, we got a few golfers. You know, I, I golf like, uh, I know the kind of the, you know, I don't know, the, uh, the thing people think about pastors that all we do is play golf all the time or something, but I only golf about once or twice a year, uh, typically if somebody invites me and pays for it, basically. But, um, and uh, and I, have, I enjoy golfing. You know, I'm one of those, I don't like lose my faith out on the golf course or anything like that. Actually, I enjoy it. But um, one of the things that I've, I've learned, or at least I've heard, over and over and over again, especially when you tee off, and especially when you, when you swing. What do you got to do? Keep your head what? Keep your head down. Keep your head down. Keep your eye on the ball. Keep your head down. Now, you would think, I mean, let's, let's just be honest. With my ginormous head, that that, you know, just pure gravity would, like, take over or something. But for some reason, every time, I mean, like, woo, you know, I just, I just, I just, I just lift my head up all the time. Runners. We have any runners here today? Okay, we have, a, we have a few runners. That's, that's good. Um, runners know that nothing, I mean, nothing else will knock them off stride or slow them down like losing 
their focus and, and looking and getting distracted, right? In fact, you know, talking about the Olympics, you know, there's so many uh, examples and illustrations of people who have, you know, lost a race, I mean, just by seconds or by, you know, point whatever second, you know, because that they looked at the, another runner, you know, they, they, they got their, their eyes off focus. They've got to keep focused on, you know, on the finish line. Well, that's, that's the principle that I want us to talk about today. In fact, it's there on your outline. Write this down. Where you look is important. That's what I want us to talk about today. Where you look, where you focus, that is extremely important in the race that we are all called to, win, uh, to run as followers of Jesus. So let me ask you this morning. Where is your focus? You know, where are you looking? Where are your eyes pointed? Now follow along and keep, keep all that in mind as I read uh, one of the great passages as far as, you know, this uh, imagery of running. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. In fact, it's one of the first passages that Christine quotes uh, in her book. Listen to this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let me stop right there just for a second. Uh, if, if you, you know, one of the things that you'll, maybe you've heard before as far as Bible teaching or, you know, if you've been to Bible college or, or heard a teacher say that anytime in scripture you, you find the word therefore, you got to find out why it's therefore, okay? You know, what it's there for. Well, the reason therefore, what he's talking about is in chapter 11. Uh, you know, typically chapter 11 in Hebrews is called the great hall of faith. And he goes from, you know, example after example after example of great people of faith who lived their life of faith. And now he says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And the picture here actually is an Olympic stadium and a marathon runner coming in at the very end and, and surrounded in the grandstands by all these people who are applauding for him. And he says, you as a believer, you and I are surrounded by all these people of faith who have gone on before us and they're watching us and they're cheering us on in the grandstand. So he says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, let us throw off everything that hinders in other words, anything that might slow you down in your race, throw it off, get rid of it, and the sin that so easily entangles. And the word entangles there is like a weed, like how a weed can just wrap itself around you know, something that's meant to grow and produce fruit. And he says, so get rid of everything that might slow you down, get rid of the sin that might entangle you. And then he says this, let us run, let us run with perseverance the race that's been marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So he says there, fix your eyes. So what's he talking about? Well, what he's saying is, again, where you point your eyes, where you look, where you focus, it is extremely important. It, mean, it means we need to make sure that, you know, just like this passage says, that we don't get sidelined, that we don't, that we don't veer off the course that God has for us because of everything that might hinder you slow you down, or the sin that so easily entangles. He's saying we need to look away from the stuff that might, that might slow you down in your race. 
that might keep you from reaching the finish line and look toward the one who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Now, the obvious question is, well, who is that, Pastor Chris? Well, he tells us. He says, to fix our eyes on who? On Jesus. So again, let me ask you this morning, where are you looking? You know, where's your focus been? What have you been fixated on? You know, in in the race that we've all been called to run, in the race that you've been called to run, let me ask you this. Is it possible that you've gotten a little distracted? That you've gotten your eyes off of Jesus? You know, have you forgotten that, that that is what life is truly all about? I mean, have you forgotten that ultimately this world is not your home? You know, that that you and I as believers in Jesus, we are just actually, we're just passing through. That that your life here on this earth is just like a grain of sand on the beach of eternity. And our job, our primary mission in this life is to run our race in such a way as to reach out to other people and to bring them along, you know, to, to meet Jesus in the end. Now, let's just be a little honest with each other this morning. You know, kind of lay the cards on the table, if you will. It sounds a little trite, doesn't it? You know, a, a little trite, just say, well, you know, just keep your eyes on Jesus. I mean, that sounds like a country song, right? You know, Jesus, take the wheel, right? It just sounds a little, you know, it sounds like the Sunday school answer, right? You know what the Sunday school answer is, right? You know, it's where, it's what you're supposed to say because we're all in where? We're all in church. So the answer is always Jesus, right? But Why? I mean, why? Seriously. What difference does it make? Why are we to keep our focus on Jesus? Well, thankfully, uh, this passage here in Hebrews, I think, tells us why. Why it's important, you know, to keep our focus, to keep looking, you know, at Jesus. And And he does that by giving us some really cool descriptions of who Jesus is and what what he's about and why, why we should look to him. And I think this morning, if you've become a little distracted, and and maybe you're not so much distracted as maybe today, if you were honest with yourself, you would just say, Pastor Chris, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. Well, here's what I want to do today. I want to give you some hope. And I want to remind all of us today, well, why? Why in the world should you, you know, keep your focus on Jesus? Because I think if you really understand why and who he is and what he's all about according to this passage, it'll strengthen you. and It'll help you to, to finish your race and to keep running your race and to not give up. So write these down if you're taking notes on your outline this morning. Number one, Jesus is our captain. He is the captain. Notice first that Jesus is described as the author of our faith. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. The what? The author, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Now, it's, it's really kind of a cool little term there in, in the original Greek language. It's, it's actually a compound word made up of two words, meaning uh, to lead and the first. And, and so you put those two words together, and what it describes is the chief leader, the one who takes the lead and gives us the example in, in other words, in other places, this same word is tr- translated as the pioneer, okay? So get that. Jesus is the pioneer, the captain, the originator of our faith. Now, not in the sense that, you know, he was the first one to have faith, because again, all of chapter 11 is about all these great people of faith who've gone on before, but 
He was the, he was the first in the sense that he was the first to have faith and never, ever give up. And never get distracted. And never gave in to sin. So here's the really cool part. This word regularly describes somebody who originates and initiates something that everybody else can follow. So if you keep in mind with the, you know, the marathon language of, of this passage, we could say that Jesus was the, the chief runner, the, the captain, the, 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 the one who led the way for everybody else in the race. He prepared the way. He's already crossed the finish line, and he's there waiting on you. He's cheering you on. But, but it's so much more than just the idea that he's the example. You know what else he is? He also is the one who gives us the power. In other words, listen to me. Jesus is not just, you know, out there somewhere. You ready for this? He's in here. He's in there. He's in you. He, he, is, he is within us by faith. Now, follow this. Having himself lived by faith, now he's able to impart that faith to you. In fact, it's what the Apostle Paul was describing in Ephesians chapter 3 when he prayed this. Listen to this. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. In other words, Jesus as our captain, as our pioneer, as our originator, he's an example of the kind of faith that is required for you and I to run this race. But you ready for this? His very life gives us the power through faith to run our race. So we can say with the Apostle Paul, you know, we all quote this verse, but this is why we can say it in Ephesians, or excuse me, in Philippians 4.13, I can do what? Some things? No, what does it say? I can do all things. I can do everything. You can run your race. You don't have to give up. Because it's, it's through him who strengthens me. Not on your own power, but through his power, through his mighty power. So he's our captain. But that's, that's not all. There's more. Along with being the captain, number two, he's also the completer. The completer. Again, Hebrews 12, 2, it says this. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, right? Keep your eyes on him. He is the author, the originator, the pioneer, and the what? Perfecter of our faith. In other words, he not only gives it to you, you ready for this? He completes it. He is the pioneer and the perfecter. He is the captain and the completer. I love Philippians 1.6. It puts it this way. Being confident of this, that whoever began a good work in you, he will carry it on to what? To completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, whatever Jesus started in you, he will finish. He will finish. Jesus will complete the good work of salvation that he started in you. Man, that should give you hope. You have his word on that. We need to fix our eyes on that. We need to focus on that. Man, if we could just get this truth in our hearts, we'd never be the same. It, it would transform the way we live our lives and the way we run this race. It, 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 you know, again, what Jesus starts, he finishes. He finishes. 
How many of you got some projects around the house this summer that you started, but you didn't finish, right? And maybe somebody in your house has been reminding you of that. When are you going to finish? You know, whatever. You know what? Jesus is not like that. Whatever he starts, he finishes. First, listen to 1 Peter chapter 1. Listen to this. For God has reserved a priceless inheritance for his children. Man, isn't that good news? God has reserved a priceless inheritance for you. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And God in his mighty power, listen to this, he will protect you until you receive this salvation because you are trusting in him. It'll be revealed on the last day for all to see. Now, follow along just for a second. Imagine for a moment, okay, that you walk out to your mailbox one day this week, and uh, to your surprise, you open it up and you pull out an official-looking letter from a law firm, okay? Already, I know some of you are thinking you're being sued, right? Okay, but to your surprise, you open it up. I mean, you're kind of, you know, you open it up real cautiously, real nervously, but the letter tells you, unknown to you, that you had a, a long lost relative and you're the only surviving member of the family and you, you are going to inherit $500 million. Now I know first you think it's a scam, but let's pretend for the, you know, this is not some, you know, some African warlord or something like that or whatever and you, you've won money. Anyway, nothing like that. It's real. It is real. You, you check it up. You look into it. You are going to inherit, you know, a half a billion dollars. And uh, now the letter goes on to explain, and from your, you know, checking out, making a few phone calls, it's going to take about six months to a year for everything to process, okay? But again, sometime next year, your bank account is going to have a five and seven zeros after it, okay? Now, question, when you finally figured out that this was real and this was something that was really going to happen, what would your reaction be? I mean, you'd be ecstatic, right? I mean, how many of you would dance a jig, okay? I mean, I got no rhythm, okay? I, I got no shame either, but I'd be dancing, right? I, I, I would be dancing. Now, if any time during the months ahead, you know, let's say for between the time you found out and you danced a little jig, and, you know, the next six months to a year, you got a little discouraged about life. You know, just a little down, you know, trying, just, you know, a little tired about life. I mean, wouldn't you just pull out that letter and remind yourself that at some point, you know, in the next year, you know, you're going to be, you know, bazillionaire, right? I mean, and you'd probably dance all over again. Now, follow this. 2,000 years ago, a bunch of people who very well may have lost everything because of persecution. It's as though they went out to their mailbox and they pull out a little letter. But this letter was not from an attorney. It wasn't from a law firm. It was from God himself, written by the Apostle Peter. And when they opened it up and they began to read it, it told them that they had a priceless inheritance, pure and undefiled, beyond the, the, the reach of change and decay, kept in heaven just for them. And because Jesus is both the captain and the completer of our faith. If you are a believer today, 
If you are a follower of Jesus, God is saying to you, there is an inheritance in heaven with your name on it. Folks, as we continue to run our race, listen to me for a second. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't get distracted. Man, fix your eyes. Keep your focus on Jesus. He is the captain of your faith. He is the completer of your faith. He says there is a prize. There is a reward. There is an inheritance waiting for you at the end of your life here on this earth. But that's not not all. Number three, Jesus is the crucified one. He is the crucified. Look back at verse two. It says this, who for the joy set before him Endured what? Endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus endured the cross. How many of you remember seeing the movie, uh, The Passion of the Christ? The Passion of the Christ. Man, I don't think I'll ever get that scourging out of my mind. You know, I had a lot of thoughts. You know, I remember watching that movie, having a lot of, uh, a lot of thoughts, a lot of just you know, all kinds of things going through my mind and my heart. But, you know, one, one little interesting thought that I had was this. That's why we take communion every Sunday. Like, I don't want to forget. I always want to remember what Jesus did for me and what he endured. Jesus endured the cross and all of its agony and all of the shame that came with it. But but, but what I don't want you to miss today is is why. And it's really interesting here. It says, it was for the joy that was set before him. And you really think about that. That sounds weird. You know, last week we talked about weird statements, the weird things in Scripture, and being a little weird, being a little bit different from this world. Well, right here it says, okay, he's talking about the cross. He endured all that because of joy. You don't put, you know, Criminal execution and joy together. Those are, you know, those, those two things just don't go together. So what in the world is he talking about? What joy? Well, for those of you who today who are parents, let me ask you a question. Why are you willing to make the sacrifices that you do for your kids? I mean, think about it. Even if it costs you something. Even if it costs you greatly. Well, because you love them. And, and even being able to give and, and bless, even if it costs, even if it hurts you a little bit, it brings you great, great what? Joy. Now, take that thought, that feeling, and multiply it by like the highest number you can imagine. That's just the tip of the iceberg of what Jesus feels toward you. Toward you today, as his child. Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. What joy? You know what it is? It's not what, it's who, it's you. You were the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross for you. You were on his mind. You were in his heart. He took that beating and that scourging, a a beating the likes of which you and I could hardly fathom or comprehend. He endured all of that for you. The Romans didn't take his life. He gave it. 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's the final picture I don't want you to miss today. That's the thing that, that's the reason why we can keep our focus on Jesus. He is the captain. He is the completer. He is the crucified. And number four, he is the conqueror. He is the conqueror. After Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, it says this. This is so interesting. It says, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, don't miss this. What in the world is the significance of that little phrase, he sat down? Well, again, remember, this is a letter that was written to, to the, the, the Jewish Christians, the Jewish believers. And, and if you turn back a couple of chapters that we have, you know, now in, in reading this letter, chapter 10, beginning with verse 11, it says this, so good, listen to this. It says, day after day, every priest what? What's the word? What's it say? Every priest stands. Every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never ultimately take away sin, but when this priest, he's talking about Jesus, when Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin, he did what? He, he sat down at the right hand of God because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Listen, that's why, you know, you hear us say sometimes when, when, when God looks at you, when Jesus looks at you, because of your faith in Christ, he says, perfect. Now, is anybody in here, you know, you know, actually perfect in your behavior yet? Okay, if you are, you're weird and you need to leave now, okay, because this is not your church if you actually think you're perfect, okay? We're all sinners, but in God's eyes, we are perfect and we are being made holy, okay? And that happened because of Jesus. Now, it's interesting, though. It says that the other priest. You know, they stood doing their duties and making those sacrifices day after day after day because there were actually no chairs in the tabernacle. Okay, none, no chairs. So when it says day after day, the priest stood, that, that needs to be understood literally, okay? There was never any sitting down for Old Testament priests because their work was never done. All those sacrifices... Thousands and thousands of sacrifices were never ultimately going to take away sin. But when Jesus on the cross offered for all time one sacrifice, the Bible says that he did what? He, he sat down. He sat down, signifying that the work of redemption is finished. Don't you see? We're just waiting for the day when death will be no more. Listen to this. This is so awesome. You have been saved from the penalty of sin. You are being saved from the power of sin. And you will be saved one day from the very presence of sin. All because Jesus is our conquering king. Now, how do we apply all that? How does any of this make sense and mean anything to you and me as we run our race? Well, one of our problems is, you know, one of our problems is that we don't lock our eyes on Jesus like we should. And as a result, what happens in the race that you run and that I run? Well, sometimes the circumstances of life get a little overwhelming. And maybe you start comparing your race with other people and, and you become a little intimidated or you become judgmental. 
Or maybe you drop out of the race. Or maybe you veer off course. Or you get sidelined. Listen, based on the titles of Jesus that we just looked at here, you know, Hebrews 12, 3 challenges us. It says, to consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What he's saying is that, listen, when you're faced with trials, you know, when the race gets hard, and there are times when it does, right? There are times when it gets difficult. Man, when we think about Jesus, and we get our focus on him and what he did for us, We know that what he suffered, we we know that he suffered opposition way more than you and I will ever have to, ever will. You know, what thoughts do you have when you think about Jesus? You know, this passage is telling us that if we focus our minds, we focus our, our attention on Jesus as the captain, as the completer, as the crucified, as the conqueror, we'll be able to stay in the race. And we can keep going and not give up. But it's when we take our eyes off him. You know the story, just like Peter, we're going to sink in the waves of discouragement and fear. And some of you might be there today. Listen, listen carefully. According to this verse, one of the reasons why you might be tired, and maybe one of the reasons why you feel like giving up, Because you've not been considering what Jesus went through for you. Maybe you've forgotten that. Maybe you need to be reminded of that today. You know, this phrase here, grow weary and lose heart, it was actually, again, in the Greek, a common expression used of the complete exhaustion that a marathon runner might face and experience. Now, I've never run a marathon. I don't know what that's like to hit that wall. Maybe some of you have. Aristotle actually used these words of runners who, who he said just want to collapse. And so this book of Hebrews, this letter is telling these believers, and I think telling us today, that you're still in the race. You know, don't give up. Don't lose heart. We are to consider Jesus so that we won't grow weary and lose heart. Let me ask you, how do you know if you're still in the race today? Yeah, you got a pulse. You know, if you're, not, if you're not dead, God's not done. You're still in the race. You know, I wonder if some of you started out, started out really strong. And then you got tuckered out and tired. Today's the day to get back on track. Consider Jesus, set your eyes on him. Where you look, it is so, so important. You know, when your attention wanders from the face of Jesus, bring it back quickly. Listen, if you're wiped out today, if you feel like you're ready to give in and give up, listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 40. I know you've heard this before. Let him minister to you today for the first time. Listen to this. Even youths grow tired and weary. Even young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. 
They'll soar on wings like eagles. They will what? They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. If you're winded today, if you're weary, maybe you've taken your focus off Jesus. But listen to me. You ready for this? This is so, such encouraging news this morning. He will never take his eyes off you. You know, one of my favorite stories about the, in the Olympics in, in years past is uh, uh, the Barcelona, Olymp- Barcelona Olympics in 1992. Uh, Britain's Derek Redmond was running the 400-meter semifinals uh, when he tore his hamstring at the very beginning of the race, and he just fell face-first onto the track. I mean, it was really, in, in and of itself, a very, very sad uh, moment. But I want you to listen to how Sports Illustrated recorded the dramatic events. Listen to this, this paragraph from, from an article. It says this. As the medical attendants were approaching, he waved them off as he crawled in utter agony, struggled to his feet, and began hopping toward the finish line. Up in the grandstands, a large man wearing a T-shirt, tennis shoes, and a Nike cap that said, just do it, barreled out of the stands, pushed aside a security guard, and ran onto the track and embraced Derek. That man was Derek's dad. He said to his weeping son, you don't have to do this. His son looked up and said, yes, I do. To which his father replied, well then, we're going to finish this together. He put his arm around his son's waist and Derek put his arm around his dad's thick shoulders and neck. They continued down the track side by side the son's head sometimes buried in his father's shoulder. The crowd was at first stunned, and then they rose to their feet and cheered. Everyone started weeping as the father helped his child toward the finish line, finally crossing it together. Coastal, listen to me. If you are winded and tired this morning, Maybe. Maybe it's because you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. But he has never, never taken his eyes off of you. In fact, when God the Father saw people in pain, he sent his one and only son from the grandstand of heaven to help all of us finish our race. And he's not only our example, he's our enabler. You don't have to make it on your own. You don't have to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and just try to go the distance in your own strength and in your own power because your endurance will fail. My stamina will stagnate. But consider Jesus. Man, lean on him. Embrace him. And if you will, he will carry you on to the finish line. Because what he begins, he finishes. Now maybe you're here today. And you're ready to put your eyes on Jesus for the very first time. Some of you here this morning, maybe it's time for you today to look to him. To turn to him for your own salvation for forgiveness, for eternal life. You know what I'm really talking about? I'm talking about a relationship. And our loving Heavenly Father wants to have one with you, and the only way to have that is through His Son, Jesus. And then 
he will call and carry you home. One last time, let me read Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Listen to this. Let, it, let these words sink in today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, Thanks for listening.